Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. I'm Tara, and I'm typically your host, but today we're listening in on a conversation and having an update from a podcast from a couple months ago with Casey McCarley, our own MSEC Professional Development Program Manager, and Michelle Norman, who's the Navy Spouse of the Year. And they were able to go to a summit several months ago and A lot has happened since then, so we've brought them back on the podcast so that they can share with us all that's new and all that's coming in 2020. So make sure to stay tuned all the way to the end because they share some really compelling stories at the end. We also want to thank the Wounded Warrior Project for sponsoring this podcast today. Thank you so much for all that you do for our Wounded Warriors and for us here at the MSEC. Hi everyone, this is Michelle Norman, Education Advocate for our Military Children with Special Needs. I wanted to give you a quick update on what we have been doing as far as bringing awareness and action to special education reform. Since we last spoke, we discussed the four military spouses, including myself, getting together and being invited to speak at the Congressional Military Families Caucus Summit in Fort Benning in October. That was a fantastic opportunity for us to speak to the challenges that many of our military families were experiencing, but also give feedback as far as recommendations on how we can try to solve some of the puzzles that many of us have had when we move from state to state and district to district. It was a fantastic summit, and we actually had a pretty favorable response from the information that we gave at that presentation. The biggest, I think, takeaway from it is that we did get a lot of support from Congresswoman McMorris Rogers and Congressman Bishop. They were very impressed. They were acknowledged that they didn't know some of the details about special education and how it was really um, a struggle for many of us. And I think after that summit, it really kind of made the wheels start to turn on how we can go forward and make some change. Fortunately, MSEC was there, and they were able to record our panel. You can take a look at it on YouTube, and I believe it's also on their Facebook page. And it's a fantastic, I'd say it's about almost an hour long, but you can hear about the stories of four of our military spouses and also just a short list of the issues, our personal stories, and recommendations, and also talk a little bit about the NDAA 2020 legislation that should be uh, going to the printers any day now. Once we heard back from the offices of Congresswoman McMorris Rogers and Congressman Bishop, they said they wanted to take this to the next step. 
So this is Casey McCarley with MSEC, um, also a military spouse and a parent of a child with a disability who is uh, served educationally through an IEP. And as Michelle said, the summit uh, was a great experience. Our special education panel um, was very transparent and shared um, the challenges that we as individuals have faced. And we know that there are many families out there in the armed services community that face the same thing. Our stories were not unique. So we were really grateful, like Michelle said, for the support from Congresswoman Kathy McMorris Rogers and also Congressman Bishop. We were very thankful for their support and commitment to addressing some of these issues. So after the summit and our video, the video of the summit being shared wildly, we got lots of support and lots of reaches from within the military community saying, hey, thank you for speaking up and thank you for sharing about that. We have these same challenges too. And so based on that feedback, coupled together with the fact that there really is a glaring lack of data on special needs families in the military. We don't know. I mean, we know how many are enrolled in EFMP across the service branches, but beyond that, we don't know um, exactly what the challenges are and how many families are facing these challenges. So the glaring lack of data kind of drove us spouses, um, the four of us, to create what we called the Military Special Education Survey. And so we created it. It's a grassroots survey. Um, it's parent to parent, essentially, and us parents saying, um, we recognize there are issues and we want to give other families a vehicle to share their story as well. And so we created that survey, we sent it out on social media, and it was shared wildly. And the feedback was overwhelming. Within 48 hours, we had over 100 stories back from service member families all over the world at different duty stations everywhere, echoing some of the same issues. And we could just, we could hear the cries of their heart in the story that they shared and really uh, resonated with that. And so the survey is still live and we encourage people to take it, uh, participate in it, and understand that it is a grassroots survey, meaning um, at, the, at the lowest level possible, it is parents reaching to other parents and saying, hey, let's join our voices together here. And since there's a glaring lack of data, let's provide some data. So that way, uh, perhaps congressional offices can see that this is a systemic problem. It's not isolated to one service branch or one location. So um, if you're interested in taking the survey or sharing it with a family that you know um, would be interested in taking the survey, um, you can go to the MILSPED 2020 Facebook page and you can scroll down and see all of the posts that um, us spouses have made. And there um, on that Facebook page, the MILSPED 2020 Facebook page um, is the survey. You can click on the link and you can submit your feedback and you can even do it anonymously. Um, it, your, your name or contact information is not required. Um, we just wanted to give families a vehicle to be able to share their stories and we uh, will combine those stories to present to congressional offices to say here, look, this is a concern for military families. It validates the concern and says we implore you, please survey families. Let's conduct studies and confirm what the challenges are or if the challenges are not really there. Either way, conduct a study to, to confirm and see. Michelle, what would you add to that about the survey? I think you covered all the points of the survey. I want to make sure that our listeners know that you do not have to give any personal information when you take the survey because we are very well in tune with the fear of reprisal from school districts or even your command. You do not have to put any identifiable information in there because I know 
from my own experience that it can be difficult at times to share when you don't know who's going to give that data to other folks. So please rest assured that we are taking good care of this information. We are looking at just really where the states, where the hotspots. If you want to share information about how we can contact you in the event that there is media on this in the future, just let us know that you can trust us. We've been in your shoes and we know how difficult this is to be open about what your experiences have been. But we do appreciate all of your time and efforts in helping us gather this very, very important information. Because as Casey said, we haven't seen any real data on special education since at least 2011 when the DOD did their first special education survey. And it was definitely needing more information and really, this is going to be the first time in uh, eight years that we are trying to get some event data just so that we can move forward on where we think the trouble spots are. Kind of like Michelle said, we as spouses recognize that military families face unique special education challenges. We have typically developing children that also face challenges when we PCS and when we move, but our special education challenges are unique even beyond other transitions. And military children with special needs are more vulnerable to lost instruction and perhaps delayed development during PCS moves, and they require exponentially more support. Um, and the trend that we see at the grassroots level is that public schools are not consistently meeting uh, the minimum special education requirements for military students. And we hear stories of families being waited out for PCS, like the school district is just eager and waiting for that family to PCS and move off of their caseload. And so, and as, as Michelle has mentioned also, that just a glaring lack of data. So we're saying survey the people, ask the people, find out what's going on, and then that way we can um, know how to move forward to best support. And Michelle, if you don't mind, can you speak about um, the OTM article and then also the Promise Act? I'm super excited to share about the Promise Act. <laughs> well, fortunately, I was able to speak with MSEC um, earlier this fall about special education reform and how that really has gained some momentum since this last summer, actually this earlier this spring, when we started to look at uh, military families and special education, we asked Congresswoman Luria to assist us in getting the language in the NDAA, NDAA 2020 to gather data on our military families and special education. We didn't realize that this is going to be the start of this long marathon of gathering data, working with congressmen and women, trying to work within the service branches, trying to get everyone on the same page to understand special education. It really has been a matrix. And um, I know that it's very hard for other families to speak up, to advocate, because we are parents of children with special needs. And so sometimes when you feel like you're drowning, you think, how can I even help others in this military community to be able to speak up about these challenges. So we were very fortunate to be gathering other spouses who are in the same boat as us. Since the Congressional Summit that we had in October, we really decided that we wanted to keep the momentum going by reaching out to our congressional offices, mostly those that are on the Senate Armed Services Committee and the House Armed Services Committee, because those are usually the folks who make the decisions on our military 
personnel in our military community. We were fortunate to have massive support from the co-chairs of the caucus, McMorris Rogers and Bishop, but we also knew that we needed to make sure that we had other congressmen and women aware of what we were trying to reform with special education. And so that's when we started visiting D.C. a couple of times. Me and a couple of spouses two times went up to D.C. and basically just told them how the summit had um, transpired, that we had a lot of feedback, a lot of support from military families and from legislators even locally. That really set the stage for us to start thinking about how to take this to the next level. When uh, the co-chairs reached out to us and said that their bosses were ready to rock and roll and to take this to the next step. They basically told us to draft some legislation that was based on our personal stories and the feedback from our Mills Fed 2020 survey. From there, we, as a collectively as four spouses, really put our heads together and came up with 12 initiatives, which we call the PROMISE Act. The PROMISE Act stands for Protect the Rights of military children in special education. This act is basically broken down into three different stages. We're hoping that it provides safeguards for military families with children with special needs. We're also hoping it provides accountability and transparency of taxpayer dollars. And we hope that it further supports our military families who are forced to pursue due process to ensure that their child receives a free appropriate public education, also known as FAPE. The 12 initiatives are broken down under the purview of the Department of Education and the Department of Defense. We are very careful to rely more on re-regulation and directives versus making any widespread changes to IDEA. Some of the big initiatives that we're looking for that I think that will immediately help our military families is to provide some type of advocacy via special education attorneys for all military branches. That way that our military families have someone who can either attend IEP meetings or take their complaints or their challenges that they have at their school district to be heard and either elevate it to a state complaint or to a due process. But at least they will have some type of legal representation, which in itself can be a, I guess, a deterrent from any issues that you might have with school districts not following IDEA. Another big initiative within the Promise Act is having the GAO study impact aid funding that is specific for military families that have children with special needs and have an IEP. Since that is a separate impact aid funding pot, we would love to see how is that money being tracked. And if it isn't, let's come up with a method to track it and perhaps tie compliance to that. We would love to be able to figure out if it's going into a general fund or if it actually is supporting our military kids with special needs. I think those two are probably one of the, the biggest ones. We do have some other um, initiatives in there that discuss maybe some broader range help when you're transferring from one state to another, such as making sure that remote enrollment is enforced. A lot of times people will say, just send your IEP ahead of time and it will the receiving or gaining school districts will be able to have all these services and supports in, in place when you get there. But that's in fact not the case. It's because of all the guidelines that they have 30 days, accept the IEP, and then they can do more testing on top of that. You could be well into late fall 
before you'll have an IEP in place, which may or may not have the same services and support you had from the previous school district. So we feel like remote enrollment would be helpful and perhaps even having a um, moratorium on any type of changes on the IEP for at least six months so that our families can at least get their children settled with the same supports that they had previously, if not maybe even more services and support. And that way they have their feet on the ground and then they have a more accurate evaluations later on to see what else may be needed. So there's just many initiatives. We're super excited about it. Now's the time to go and talk about the Promise Act with everyone. We're really trying to get some social media, some press on this. Once this Promise Act goes from Congressman Morris Rogers and Congressman Bishop's office, it goes to Legislative Council. That's where the language gets smoothed. And after that, it will go to committees. And once it goes into the committees, they'll have to decide which committees. My feeling is probably going to go to the Committee of Education and Labor and also the House Armed Services Committee. This is that time where we need co-sponsors. We need folks to kind of rally behind the Promise Act. That's when we're going to need help from our listeners, from military families, from different MSOs, military service organizations to put their weight behind this and say, this is important. We need reform. We haven't seen this in over a decade. And we could really use all boots on the ground for this effort. Thank you, Michelle. That was awesome. You summed it up so great. I would just add to the things that Michelle shared that also within the Promise Act, we're asking for it to be considered that a DOD directive be made for school districts to standardize IEP forms. Um, you know, just putting my parent hat on, we transition from school district to school district and, uh, you know, the IEP is completely different everywhere we go. Um, just to imagine having a standardized IEP form, it would be a complete game changer for my family when we PCS. So we are asking for that within Promise Act. And then additionally to all that Michelle shared, um, and she did, she did hit this, she did touch this point. Um, it's just, we come back to the lack of data and it's just um, overwhelming for us that really so little information is known and yet families talk about this topic all the time. So just asking for studies to be done, confirm or deny the situation. And if we confirm it, then let's create plans to be able to address it and make it better for all military families who are supporting a child with a special need. And so, um, yes, as Michelle said, we encourage families go to our MILSA 2020 um, Facebook page, take the survey. If you have any questions at all, um, message us through that Facebook page and one of us will respond. We're very intentional about a personal touch. We are people, we are parents, and we are working with other parents. And so if you have a question, please don't hesitate to message us through the Facebook page, and we will certainly respond. If you'd like to participate or you want more guidance on how can you work with your legislative office, how can you help, how can you participate in encouraging um, positive changes being made for military families, um, let us know. We're happy to equip you with some steps in that, and we are mobilizing and calling on other military families to join their voices together with ours um, so that we 
can encourage legislative change through, through the Promise Act to begin with um, to improve the situation for military families. We want to make it better for military families across all of the service branches. We recognize that, you know, we, we daily tow a hard road on behalf of our own child or our own children. And so when we band together, we know that we can um, improve it for all military families. And so we're excited to see um, the, the impact and the results that we can have together, working together on it. And lastly, I also want to mention that MSEC is going to be coming out with a survey after the first of the year. And so when you see that survey pop into your Facebook feed or pop into your email, uh, we just encourage you to take that because Military Child Education Coalition is very passionate about special education and, um, and understanding what the issues are and barriers are and then supporting military families uh, in response to those challenges. So I encourage you when that survey comes out, take it and uh, make your voice heard through that avenue as well. Well, I'm very thankful for what MSEC has done as far as supporting this initiative and special education reform. We've also had really wonderful support from MOA, the Military Officers Association of America. And we are happy to have other MSOs on board that would love to know more about special education and how they can help with the awareness and the action to support the Promise Act. The On the Move article that just came out in the fall 2019, we talk about all of what special education is and the laws behind it and what the common experience is for families and what they're seeing each time they move. So hopefully folks can pull up that article if they are not familiar with special education and understand some of these challenges that we have been experiencing. Trend has been going at an alarming rate far as seeing some of these educational deficiencies. So I think the more education, the more awareness, the better, and it will give us more power to continue the action that we're going through. Yes, I totally agree. And Michelle, on behalf of myself and IMSEC, I thank you for writing that article in the On the Move magazine. It's titled Reform on the Horizon for Special Education. And uh, like Michelle said, you can go to the IMSEC website and download it to be able to read it. Or you can pick up a copy, perhaps at your local military installation, but it's an excellent article, one that you don't want to miss. I know that the survey results are protected, but I also know that some have checked the blocks that they want their story heard. Can you share a compelling story that stuck out to you? There were some heartbreaking stories. Um, stories that I totally could relate to. So Tara, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, I really am so grateful for how in tune you are with military families. So um, I'll just share that the feedback that we received from the grassroots survey was overwhelming. We didn't know what we were going to hear or how much of it we would hear. We know what we hear, you know, every day in our own circles that we run in and our own PCS moves, but to put it out there widespread. We just didn't know um, how it was going to go. So we were overwhelmed to receive a hundred stories back from families um, within the first 48 hours. And then uh, now to date, we have over 200 stories. So I would share that consistently we hear stories from E3 all the way up to 06. And so the stories transcend rank, and so they're not isolated to a certain um, rank or position. Um, all families 
are struggling with special education services being provided with integrity and consistency throughout all of their PCS locations. But consistently we heard rank doesn't matter, position doesn't matter, location doesn't matter. Based on the feedback that we received, there were some states that stood out more than other states. Perhaps it's that there's more service members in those states. We heard most from the Army, and perhaps it's because that's the largest service branch and the feedback mirrors the size of the service branch. We don't know, but we know that, that it's alarming, and we know that it signals that GAO studies should be conducted to find out uh, is this validated or not. But, but consistently from families, we did hear the IEP is not accepted when we transition when we PCS. We have to fight. We spend our first year of PCS fighting for services only to then have to move again. We consistently heard that. We heard um, that placements were not appropriate, least restrictive environments were not um, recognized or provided. We heard that consistently. Um, we heard that PCS is the most troubling time, the most challenging time when a family leaves resources that they've worked so hard to establish only to go into a new situation without those resources and to have to work extremely hard to establish them again. That, that PCS window of time is a, is a real vulnerable time frame. We heard that consistently. Um, so Michelle, are there any other highlights that you noticed from the stories that stood out? Casey, I think you hit on most of them. Obviously, the PCS timeframe is the most challenging, and it appeared that most of the responses were that the IEP was not adhered to or implemented when they got to their new gaining school district. And in many cases, the current, I guess, or the stay put services and supports and accommodations were minimized and cherry picked out so that there were less, less support at the new station. And so that's very, very troubling. In several cases, I saw that they, a student would come with a one-on-one -on -one aid, and the new school district said, we don't do that here. So therefore, mm -hmm. they did, or they did not get their ABA therapies that were in, in their related services of the IEP. And so what they would see is a regression, not only academically, but socially, emotionally, and then a lot of these Correct. In several cases, some of these children were then suspended or expelled because they did not have the proper supports in place. And so it right. transitions a difficult time as it is, and then all of a sudden you have more stress when your child's not getting their, the help they need. And so that's, that's really the troubling piece of it. And then just the fight. There's such a fight mm -hmm. to prove mm -hmm. what your child needs. And you're up against, you know, almost like a David and Goliath situation where you know your child the best. You probably have professionals that have seen your child, but some of the times that information doesn't really stand much, much weight in an IEP team meeting. And so I feel like there's definitely families that are crying for help that need the support of an advocate or an attorney to be able to just ensure that what they're coming with is really implemented at the second location. So um, those are very difficult times. That is absolutely right, Michelle. Very well said. I want to thank you, Casey and Michelle, for coming on the podcast today and telling us all this great information about the Promise Act, about the 2020 survey, about the MSEC survey, your On the Move article, 
All of this can be found in our show notes or on our website at www.militarychild.org. And I also want to thank the Wounded Warrior Project for making this podcast possible. Have a wonderful week and we'll join us back next week, everyone. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast for the sake of the child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.